Hi, I'm Grant Wall, and welcome to the Planet Football Podcast, where I go in-depth with the most intriguing people in the world of soccer. Just a quick reminder, it's a huge help if you subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. In this episode, I'm joined by Gary Kasparov, the Russian former world chess champion and critic of Vladimir Putin, who answers the question, should we feel conflicted about being excited to watch a World Cup from Russia? Then I speak to Mark Noonan, a former MLS vice president who recently moved from Connecticut to Ghana to become the CEO of that country's most storied club, Accra Hearts of Oak. Onward! Our guest today is Gary Kasparov. He's the Russian former world chess champion and human rights advocate who is also a staunch critic of Vladimir Putin. Gary, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for inviting me. So there's a lot to talk about with the World Cup starting in Russia. And I want to start off just by diving right in. There's been so many things that have been involving Russia uh, in recent years, Russian interference in the U.S. election, stories of human rights abuses in Russia, Russian journalists critical of Putin are dying in mysterious circumstances. If you're a soccer fan like me, I always get very excited right before the start of a World Cup, but should we feel conflicted at all about being excited to watch a World Cup from Russia? Yeah, I, I would add to the list uh, um, of Putin's crimes is also invasion of the neighboring country, annexation mm -hmm. of Crimea as a part of this part of Ukraine, um, and uh, um, support, st staunch support for Bashar al-Assad, one of the worst criminals, carpet bombing of Syrian cities and uh, and uh, use of chemical weapons. Yeah, I don't want to waste waste our time because the list is literally endless and it's and, and think can be added every day. And of course, the recent uh, the announcement of international investigative group about um, a Malaysian Boeing uh, MH17 uh, that was shot uh, in Ukrainian sky by, uh, by Russian missile and that killed 298 uh, innocent civilians. Uh, those are the state, you know, just a, it's a short list of, of, of Putin's crimes. And I don't think we can separate uh, these, uh, our feelings about, about these crimes and um, and a World Cup, I I agree with you. It's just the, it's, um, I'm, I'm also I'm also the big chess fan, uh, uh, soccer fan, football. We say football in, in in Europe. I watched every World Cup since 1970. Just you know, I, I remember vividly remember the final match: Brazil, Italy, and Pele scoring a goal at the fifth minute. I remember the semi-final: Germany, Italy. So I can recall every important moment of of, of the uh, soccer. Um, uh, World Cups uh, for the last uh, uh, 40, 44 uh, years. Um, but speaking about event in Russia, for me, it's not about soccer. It's not about sport. It's about it's about a Russian dictator who who bought this championship. We know that there were bribes involved for Russia to to win this contest, which unfortunately is 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 a normal practice uh, um, uh, between dictators and international sport organizations. Uh, and uh, Putin is viewing this event as another opportunity to shine on the world stage. And we all know that uh, dictators, they could be boosted by, by the sudden rise of their popularity and uh, they could do some, something really drastic. Um, after Sochi Olympics, uh, Putin attacked Ukraine. So I'm afraid that uh, we'll be facing just another global crisis after Putin 
benefits uh, politically from uh, um, World Cup in Russia. What are you observing about Russia and its leadership in connection to this World Cup that's about to start? Look, I, I don't like the word leadership because Russia is a one-man dictatorship. So we should talk about Putin. Mm -hmm. And I always want to separate Putin and Russia because it's not about uh, um, uh, the whole country. Yeah, many people do support Putin, but there are many who do not. But if you live in Russia, um, uh, if you want to stay in Russia, uh, you better keep your mouth shut because we all know what happens to those uh, who are um, who are expressing their dissent and and um, uh, dissatisfaction with with the rule uh, of a dictator who is, by the way, in power for the 19th year. Just for those who are familiar with Soviet history, it's longer than Leonid Brezhnev. Mm -hmm. Do you expect any sorts of protests from Russians during the World Cup? There will be a lot of international media there. Uh, I doubt very much. There may, might be some heroic people, but these protests will be uh, will be um, uh, suppressed uh, most viciously and relentlessly. And uh, um, following the uh, the Russian Russian media, I could see that uh, even the very limited freedoms that left uh, uh, for Russian citizens, uh, they will they will be um, uh, basically eliminated. Uh, uh, the cities where the World, um, world uh, um, Cup matches uh, um, take place, place um, these cities will be virtually under, uh, um, literally, under martial law. And uh, the citizens' movements and their ability to, to um, um, uh, even, even carry their own private affairs, set aside public demonstrations, uh, will be virtually uh, none. Okay. Why do you think dictatorships seem to like hosting mega sporting events like the World Cup, like the Olympics? Oh, it's uh, it's all about them uh, projecting invincibility and 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 um, winning uh, um, world attention. Also, it's it's a great opportunity to uh, divert the attention of uh, people in in the country, um, their their own subjects. Uh, from economic problems and as to show only the the, the, the shining window uh, of course uh, decaders want to um, to um, boast gold medals but at the end of the day it's not it's not about athletes winning medals uh, we know that Russian team is, is quite lousy but it's more about dictator uh, to um, to be around and and to um, impose himself as the um, uh, most important newsmaker, even for a short period of time, global. Do you think it might be easier to do hard-hitting journalism on the ground in Russia during the World Cup than maybe at other times of the year, since it might not be totally business as usual there? Look, um, hard-hitting journalism is, is, is hard, period. But if you are there in Russia, you should definitely talk about things that might you know interest your audience, for instance, about a state-sponsored program, and we're talking about millions of dollars spent on on physical elimination of homeless cats and dogs. Hmm. We're talking about tens of thousands of cats and dogs being killed, or as we speak, uh, uh, just being prosecuted uh, to make sure that the cities look good. Um, you should talk about about uh, um, uh, problems uh, of ordinary Russians who have been suffering uh, um, uh, consequences. Um, because of the construction of, of um, the stadiums or uh, related infrastructure, um, somehow um, hurt their uh, their own um, properties, 
And of course, nobody cares about it as it happened in Sochi. And it's now being reported from, um, uh, from many cities where the World Cup events are taking, uh, taking place. So if you, if you have an, an appetite to report um, um, on human rights or violation of human rights in Russia, I'm sure you'll find people are willing to talk. It's even, even uh, in Putin's Russia, there are still people who, who are either brave or desperate, and they might be willing to tell you um, uh, uh, heartbreaking stories. Okay. On June 14th, the first game of the World Cup will take place in Moscow between Russia and Saudi Arabia. Uh, are you going to watch that game? Will you cheer for the Russian team during the tournament? Uh, I don't know. I may be watching the game now. As for cheering for Russian team, it's a very tough question because I uh, I might be considered, of course, if you accept chess as the, as, as a sport, the uh, most decorated Soviet and, and Russian athletes in history. Yeah. Or one of them. Um, and that's why it's it's so difficult for me because on one side, you know, um, uh, not cheering for Russian team is tough. But in this case, I'm afraid it's not a team that is is uh, fighting for Russian colors. It's not defending the the honor of my country. But it's it's a team that is just is serving Dictator's purpose to um, to uh, strengthen his grip on power. And uh, uh, success of this team will will add popularity to Dictator, and it will end up with, with uh, more oppressions inside Russia and more aggression outside of Russia. So the answer is no, though it's extremely painful answer. Okay, interesting. How much do you think the performance of the Russian team in this tournament, and it could be very bad, it could uh, exceed expectations potentially, how much do you think the performance of the Russian team matters to Vladimir Putin? Um, as far as I understand from reading Russian press, uh, the expectations are very low. And Putin, Putin's propaganda is very cautious to, uh, to um, project uh, um, uh, success um, for a Russian, Russian soccer team, recognizing that it's, it's, it's uh, quite pathetic. Uh, so that's why uh, if, uh, if the team fails uh, um, and it doesn't qualify, which, is, which would be, of course, amazing since it's probably the weakest group ever uh, in the history of, of the World Cup, um, and Russia was uh, lucky, or you know, this, every, every every piece of luck can be bought in in, in the sport world, controlled by the uh, international uh, sport functionaries. Um, it it will be, of course, it, it, it could have a disastrous effect. Now, if if they qualify and they lose in uh, in uh, one ace or in quarterfinal, I don't think Putin cares at all because at the end of the day, it's not about it's not about Russia team. Uh, Getting to, uh, getting to the top. Uh, of course, if Russia all of a sudden gets medals, that would be phenomenal. But for Putin, is not is not um, uh, a criteria to uh, judge the success. It's mm -hmm. far more important for him to shake hands of uh, world politicians, business people, to demonstrate that he, Vladimir Putin, could bring um, the world to Russia and could um, uh, demonstrate to Russian people. And, of, uh, and to his, chronic, his own cronies, that despite sanctions, despite isolation, he, Vladimir Putin, is still um, uh, one of the most important uh, politicians in the world. Interesting. Okay. Um, I was wondering, there was a documentary recently that is out on Netflix called Icarus, and the central figure in that 
documentary is a guy named Grigory Rodchenkov, and he's the whistleblower uh, who used to direct Russia's anti-doping programs and has put out all sorts of information about uh, state-sponsored doping by Russia uh, around the Olympics. Uh, he's more recently uh, talked about soccer players in Russia uh, who had been part of the state-sponsored doping program uh, that he has gone into detail on. Have you seen the documentary, Icarus, and do you find Rodchenkov to be credible? Yeah, I saw the documentary, and I think his evidence was overwhelming. And um, I see, I see um, uh, uh, no reasons why, why uh, we should not trust it, because we are talking about the criminal regime that has no allergy for blood. Uh, and so uh, replacing the, uh, um, the urine uh, samples is, 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 is not even a minor crime. It's just, you know, it's a part of the operation of um, uh, winning more medals and, and uh, adding glory to, to, to the dictator. So I, uh, from what I saw and all I heard and facts that I could analyze, it, it feeds the pattern completely. So just to wrap up, Gary, is there anything else that for our listeners you would suggest that they be thinking about during this World Cup in Russia? Yes, I think they, they should look not only at the, at the uh, soccer field, but also at, um, uh, at the stadium and um, at those who uh, will be um, showing up next to Vladimir Putin. Because I want to make it very clear, any political or business leader on the free world who goes to Russia to give any glory to Putin is whitewashing Putin's past crimes and is an accomplice to his future ones. On that note, we will end the interview. Thank you so much, Gary Kaspar, for joining me. Thank you. I want to thank Gary Kaspar for joining me. Next up is my interview with Mark Noonan. Mark is a former executive vice president of marketing for MLS and a former CMO of U.S. Soccer. And in February, he took on a fascinating new position as the CEO of Accra Hearts of Oak, the most popular club in Ghana. Mark, thanks for joining me. Good evening. Thanks for having me, Grant. Yeah, I am really psyched to hear more about this position you've taken here uh, because I've always sort of associated you with New York and Connecticut, uh, and Ghana is not New York or Connecticut. How did this no. position come together? You know, it's, a, it's amazing how the internet brings people together, um, but uh, I, I met a guy through LinkedIn named Toby Afidi the 14th, yes, okay. the 14th, and, and Toby is um, the, the chairman and majority shareholder of Accra Hearts of Oak, and they were looking for a new chief, chief executive, and having a consulting business, I thought, hey, maybe I can help these guys uh, with the club as they're looking for a full-time um, chief executive and so we got to talking and 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 toby is a really impressive man he's a a yale mba he's uh the 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 ceo and chairman of a number of businesses over here and he also happens to be the president of the national house of chiefs which is a really interesting it's an elected position where he is the leader of the indigenous population there's four, there's four thousand chiefs in Ghana, representing all the the, the the villages, and and they have a national house of chiefs. So the the the, the country's broken up into ten regions, and each region uh, not nominates or elects five chiefs to represent the region. 
So the National House of Chiefs has 50 chiefs from the 10 regions, and then they elect, elect a president for a four-year term. And, and Toby is the, uh, was elected as the, as the president of the National House of Chiefs. So he's a pretty impressive guy and um, happens to be on the, the board of the World Trade Centers um, and ironically had a, uh, a meeting in New York last October. Mm-hmm. And we got together and really liked each other and had a great conversation. And he says, hey, the club is playing in the FA Cup final against our arch rival, Asante Kotoko. Uh, why don't you come over and, and check it out? So I flew over for the, for the match. Unfortunately, Hearts lost to Kotoko in, in, in the FA Cup final, which is a, which is a, a, a very difficult and, and sad day, given that you know, this, this is a, a derby. Uh, mm-hmm. In any way, any way you want to describe it, it's, it's, it's incredible. And, and we just kept talking and talking and talking. And, and, and what we had to do is figure out how do you – how do you make developing econ- uh, de- developing economy economics work with Western economy economics? And we spent some time trying to figure that out. And uh, lo and behold, we figured it out, and here I am. Wow. Well, what's the best way to explain to listeners, who, some of whom may know what Hearts of Oak is, but some may not? So what's the best way to describe them? You know, Hearts of Oak is a storied club in the African continent. If you know, if if you talk to anybody who knows anything about African football, it is one of the you know, the top two or three clubs, and it was the African champion in two thousand, um, and has had they've played matches against Pelé. They've had Sir Stanley Matthews as a as a guest uh, as a guest player as he was developing uh, uh, football in Africa. And you know, we, we, we talk about um, the club as it really is Ghana's club. You know, there's 16 Premier League clubs. There's 48 uh, Division One clubs. But uh, by far the most popular is, is, is Accra Hearts of Oak. It was founded in 1911. So the club is 107 year, years old now. And if you believe guys in the media, uh, in 2000 it was ranked the 8th um, uh, best club in the world ahead of Arsenal and Chelsea, and huh. it's it, it's it's fallen fallen dramatically since since then, as uh, as kind of the developing economy took over and football changed. But um, it has this amazing history. It's uh, it, it, and um, has an incredible following here. And trying to figure out where to begin on when you came and took the job in the sense of what was that like to to move over there and what have you been trying to do? Yeah, I mean, it certainly is a, a, a it's a, a life experience. Um, you go from a country where as a, as a white man, I've been in the majority of my life in the country and in this country, I mean, I'm anything but. I'll be in a FA, FA meeting uh, or an event and there's probably 300 people in the room and I was the only white man in the wow. room so, so it, it you know for my my african-american friends I think you know for the first time in my life I can truly appreciate um, 
what it what it's like to be a minority and you, know, you, you think you have sympathy you think you you can emotionally understand it but until you're until you're in it it's um it, it, it it's different um and um you know so it's uh, needless to say you know moving to to west africa is a uh, a big change from the new york and, and connecticut area uh but um the the the, the national language is English, um, although there's all sorts of, of, of different African dialects. But you know, they, they, the language that everybody speaks is English, which is which is helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're on the uh, UK time zone, mm-hmm. um, so we're right now. I'm only four hours ahead ahead of you, mm-hmm. which also also helps staying in, in, in touch and contact with people uh, back home. Okay. And the decision to actually go there, did did your family go with you? Um, my family is about to come with me. Uh, oh. It's actually, it's a time in life where we could, uh, we can take a swing in that um, I have one daughter in, in college and another one who will start in August. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Katie, my wife and I will be empty nesters. So um, my youngest, who's about to graduate high school, um, is uh, is going to come join us for six weeks before she heads off to have to, off to college, and then my wife will be here full time. And with both of our kids, they they decided to go to college um, uh, away from us, so we're going to have to jump on a plane no matter what. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just going to be a little longer plane ride. Okay, and tell me some stories. I want to hear about uh, what you know entry was like and and what you've experienced yeah. so far. Yeah, I mean, I, I I don't know really where to start because I'm still learning every every single day. Um, at, but the, the the stories that uh, that 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 you can't fake is you know, the the playing talent here and the passion for the sport. It's unlike just about anywhere, maybe next to Brazil, that you're 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 gonna go. I mean, everywhere, everywhere. I'm not. That's not an exaggeration. I, I get off the highway at ten o'clock at night, and underneath the you know the highway exit, uh, in a dirt uh, a patch of dirt, people are playing football. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it is an absolute national um, obsession here, and the the talent levels are are through the roof. And so you can't you can't fake those two those, those two things. The challenge that the country is is, is having candidly is it you know it, it has uh, um, you know key exports like gold and cocoa and oil and what they've they they they've really struggled with a little bit is you know how do they manage this incredibly precious asset and that's that's their footballing talent mm-hmm. and. You know, I think they've fallen behind in a lot of ways because, um, you know, as a developing country, they haven't been able to manage it as effectively as they probably could have or have wanted to in hindsight. Because in terms of playing talent, I've put Ghana up against any country in Africa. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you look at infrastructure, for instance, in places like Egypt or or, or South Africa. Um, Ghana is, is, is way behind, particularly at the club level. Mm-hmm. And that's just because they, they haven't effectively managed the asset that they, that they have. And they've probably delete, depleted it a lot further than, than, than they, they candidly should have. And, you know, some of that is just because it's, you know, the developing country and some of it candidly is, uh, what they call over here ways and means. Hmm. And, you know, people who are, uh, taking selfishly, <coughs> versus 
managing for the betterment of the of the game and you know, it, it's you know, that there are different type of problems here than you know, we we got plenty of problems in the United States, uh, yeah. uh, but there are different type of problems here, and the you know, the problems are you know literally people being able to feed themselves, and you know, because of things of that nature, um, certain things get done that uh, perhaps you 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 might look back on and say, wow, uh, we wouldn't do that where I come from. But there's, uh, you know, there are issues that uh, that 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 are uh, prevalent here and in, in in the developing country. Yeah, I mean, also too, I I figure I should bring this up. Uh, the news that I've been seeing from Ghana soccer in the last week or two is the Ghana Federation president uh, Kwesi Nyantaki. Am I saying that right? <laughs> I don't even know if I can pronounce it right. Nyantashi is okay. Is, is how but yeah, that's uh, it's it, it, it's a tough one even for Ghanaians. <laughs> okay, uh, yeah. So I mean that uh, that he is uh, in the crosshairs of some sort of investigation. Is it possible to provide a little more detail on that? Yeah, no. I, I, it'll be it's going to be interesting. There's uh, an, an investigative journalist who is also an attorney. His name is Anas Anas, and. Um, he, I guess, for the last couple of years has been doing um, an undercover investigation against corruption in football in Ghana. Mm-hmm. And he uh, is debuting it on June 6th. And uh, he's uh, uh, apparently uh, very good at what he does and is... is um, and one of the things that got leaked out is that um, the... Uh, the FA pre- president, and I want to be careful because, uh, you know, innocent until proven guilty, and this is what's been alleged, mm-hmm. is that he um, used uh, the access to the uh, the president of Ghana, uh, 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 Nana Kufuado, uh, access to him as a means for um, soliciting millions of dollars. Okay. And and in in this supposed video, he also you know talked about how easy it was in Ghana to um, to buy off refs and how cheap it was and things of that nature. So, yeah, there's 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 two things that have been alleged. One is that you know he's using the president's name to to uh, uh, to gain favors, which uh, the president apparently didn't didn't feel was a, a very good thing to do. And then the second thing is he's going to have to uh, defend himself as it relates to FIFA if, in fact, he's on camera talking about how easy it is to um, you know, to bribe referees. Okay. And, and I, again, all that is alleged. Right. Um, and June sixth, we're gonna we're we're gonna find out and. When I get asked about it over here, I said, you know, anything that can provide transparency, truth, and accountability to the game is a good thing. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, there's no way that this game is going to continue to grow and take advantage of the natural resource unless in, unless you have that. Otherwise, it's uh, it's going to continue to be to be held back. You know, Ghana obviously didn't qualify for the World Cup, just like the U.S. Yeah. and Italy mm-hmm. and the Netherlands and Chile didn't. Uh, and in some ways, when you think about it and listen to you describe how much of a soccer country Ghana is, it's as surprising or maybe even more so than the U.S. missing out. Um, you know, I look at 
at what Ghana has achieved on the field, the players they've produced, and they've had success as kind of a bogeyman team against the U.S., at least until 2014. Um, Mm -hmm. And, I mean, when you're on the ground over there, and I'm sure you're seeing this talent, what is sort of your plan to, to maximize things, not just in terms of the soccer side, but the, the financial side as the CEO? Yeah, I mean, first of all, it's devastating to Ghana not, not qualifying for the World Cup because this is, this is one of their, their primary national assets, and it's so important to the psyche of the people. But, it, but almost as importantly is the fact that uh, the financial piece of, of not qualifying for the World Cup is, is so devastating. The U.S. doesn't qualify for the World Cup, but uh, U.S. soccer's got $100 million in the bank. Right. And Ghana doesn't have, have that. So the, the ramifications of not qualifying are, are, are hugely um, yeah, devastating in terms of infrastructure development, things of that nature here. Um, but I think what, 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 what I, I, I joke about um, with the club is it's almost like I've got a 107-year-old startup company on my hands. I have this incredible history, an amazing brand. The nickname of the club is The Phobia because they, they inject so much fear in their, <laughs> in their fans. Uh, the, the uniform is absolutely gorgeous. It's a rainbow-colored uniform. Oh. And so, so we have all this history and this cool stuff, but we have to develop the infrastructure um, we play in a cross sports stadium, which is a state-owned stadium of 40,000 uh, seats, but it's right now undergoing renovation because CAF is hosting their women's tournament there in November. And um, so we've basically been vagabonds here in our own country without a stadium to play in. And uh, that, that's, that, that's, that's a struggle. And we also don't have a training center, but we are... Um, I've, I've hired a project manager, and we have land, and we're, we're starting um, uh, our, our training center now, which is going to be, I, th- I think, a game changer, um, not just for our club, but also for um, for, for Ghanaian soccer, hmm. because uh, there is so much talent here. And if you see the programs like Right to Dream, and you've you got some amazing kids that, that essentially at... 13, 14 years old have to leave their families. They go to boarding school in the U.S. and typically then go on and play high-level soccer and then on to MLS. You look at a guy like uh, Josh Yarrow from uh, uh, from Georgetown University, and now he's playing for the I think the Philadelphia Union. Right. You know, he's a right to dream kid. He had to leave his his family at a young age to go and pursue his dream someplace else because he couldn't get the football education or the, um, you know, the, 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 the book education. And we, we we're hoping to change that and be able to keep more and more of that talent here and develop it, um, develop it locally, educate it locally. And, and, and then at some point, like every, you know, when, when you see Barcelona selling Neymar, you realize that every club in the world is a selling club at some point be able to sell those players on when they're ready, but but also um, have them play in our first team long enough for us to lift lift trophies. And that's uh, you know winning winning the player arbitrage game is 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 pretty much um, how football works these days. Mm-hmm. And 
the fact is is that we we have a major opportunity to um, you know to develop un, under the most popular club in Ghana, and if we do our jobs well over time, then uh, I, I think we're going to win some trophies and we're going to be able to um, you know export some some assets and and do it when they're ready. Because one of the sad things that happens now is that um, because many of these players don't have 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 any sort of formal education, and they're too young. They get moved by unscrupulous agents um, who will say, hey, I can get you a tryout in South Africa. I can get you a tryout in the U.S. And most of the kids aren't ready. And so they aren't ready emotionally to live someplace else. And they're not ready from a football place to live somewhere else. So they end up not being successful. And they come back here and then they're too old. And it's just um, – it's a cycle. It's been a vicious cycle that needs to needs to change. And and I think, um, and, and I say this with a lot of humility because I'm I'm a caretaker in a in, in a 107 year old club. But I think Hearts of Oak is probably the only club that can can lead the change that needs to that need, needs to happen here. Now, do you have any control over the soccer side or coach hiring or anything like that? Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I have the whole. I have the whole. I have the whole responsibility uh, here. Obviously, I report to a board of directors and and serve on that serve on that board. So I don't. I don't. I don't have you know complete independent control. But my accountability covers um, all, all, all both the business side as well as the soccer side. Okay, and I should know this, but where are we sort of in the season right now? We're 12 games into a 30-game season that's broken up into two windows. Um, we're trying to get the calendar um, on the FIFA calendar oh. uh, for, for a lot of reasons. It's not, but um, I, I believe we're going to finish up this uh, this season and start a new one relatively quickly so we can get as close as possible to the FIFA, FIFA calendar. Uh, we've been um, sanctioned to actually play through the World Cup by FIFA. And so we're playing, playing catch up a little bit. And so we're, we're, we're 12 games into a, a 30 game season. Okay. And you said you're barnstorming how, for how long or when do you get your stadium back? <laughs> I think this is uh, we're going to be doing this all, uh, for the entire, uh, entire season. Okay. Um, but we, we, we've identified, we, we have, we, we have a couple of venues that we've identified that we think will give us some stability in the second half of the season. So we're just trying to finalize, uh, uh, one of those deals. Okay. And in terms of like a training facility that you mentioned, like, mm-hmm. is that like, how much, how much money does that require? Is it a completely different type of situation to what we're seeing in MLS or how does that work? Yeah, it's, it certainly isn't uh, what you're going to see in MLS when I see what uh, Kansas City and LAFC have done. Um, you know, the, the, it's almost like there's an arms race over there to see who can build mm-hmm. the most amazing, amazing place, and they're incredible, uh, incredible to see. Um, but we're gonna. This will be a lot more basic. Uh, we're we're using uh, modular buildings from a company in Turkey. Uh, that that hopefully are going to be going up in in four months, um, and they will have uh, you know several fields. Well, we have three different teams that will train there. Our Ro- Royal Oaks is our under 17s. We have the Auroras are under 20s, and then we have our first team, and they'll all be housed there. They'll all be training there, and we'll have the things that you need. You know, we'll have a kitchen, we'll have a locker rooms, we'll have a video room, we'll have a a, a physio room. You know, they they just won't quite be the Taj Mahal that the MLS teams are building. So we're going to have we're going to have everything that a proper football 
setup needs, uh, we're just going to be doing it on a uh, on a smaller on a smaller budget, and I, I think with uh, some amazing talent ready to come and, and and be taught. Okay, and who's your coach? Um, right now is a, a gentleman named Henry Wellington. He's the interim head coach. Um, that was uh, he replaced uh, a, a Scottish head head coach who. Um, uh, uh, ran into uh, some issues with uh, I, I don't know. Anyway, he he and the club part he and club part of ways be- before I got here, and I don't even I don't even want to go go into gotcha. it. And 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 so you know Henry is our uh, Henry is a local uh, a local Ghanaian, and um, he is uh, um, yeah the 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 interim interim head coach. So you're in the pro are you in the process of deciding what you want to do for a non interim coach? Yeah, what well, what I've uh, I've I've um, published a director of football job description mm-hmm. because um, you know we need to have a, a philosophy from top to bottom, and we need a leader of our football program. And it's uh, it, it, it's online if you want to apply, Grant. Um, <laughs> feel feel free. Uh, but 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 we've uh, I've been interviewing for a director of football because um, I want to bring in that uh, the, you know, that that leader of our program. Yeah, and um, and I mean, you'd be amazed some of the the names that have have come forth. In fact, I'm sure you know many of them. Huh. Um, and and you know, depending on the person, um, the, you know, this person uh, could be the director of football. It could be director of football slash head coach. Um, it's uh, it really depends on, uh, on 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 the person that we bring in. But we're actively recruiting right now uh, a director of football. Okay. And what's sort of your your plan for medium to long term? How long do you plan on being there? You know, I signed a I signed a long term long term deal, and um, I, I hope I'm, uh, I, I hope they don't deport me because I think <laughs> there's so much potential here. Um, and uh, we, we'll uh, we'll see. I don't have any any plans to to, to leave. This isn't like I'm going to be here for two years. I'm going to be here as long as uh, I, I feel like um, uh, I'm being effective in the job, and that uh, and, and 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 hopefully that I'm I'm happy and happy in life. And and so uh, there, there really isn't uh, necessarily a time a, a time frame. Had you ever spent time in Ghana or other parts of Africa before this? I've spent time in in South Africa. Um, you know, several different vis- visits to uh, to South South Africa, um, but I had not spent any time in in West Africa until I came over that first time last uh, last October. And, and went across an interesting city. Um, it sits right on the Atlantic coast. It's uh, warm year round, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, it's a. Uh, in, in many cases, it's it, it has a, almost two economies. I would say you have the expat economy. I'm I'm talking to you from a, a, a relatively modern apartment building, mm-hmm. um, in a nice in a nice nice neighborhood, but right next door to me, you know, is a very modest, uh, I would call an indigenous uh, neighborhood, mm-hmm. uh, and and the pricing is dramatically different, mm-hmm. as you as as you can as you can imagine. Um, and it's a uh, it's a really interesting city because you you, you do have those you know, those, those those two economies kind of coming com- coming together right next door. And if you if you go to a place like Macola Market, which is the big seven day a week marketplace here, you would not believe what what you see there. It is wow. absolutely an incredible life experience going to that place. <laughs> 
You're making me want to come. I, I think this this would be a good magazine story. Get that get that get that expense report fired up and let's go. <laughs> we'll, we'll take we'll take good care of you. I mean, this it really is uh, a fascinating story. If I had run into you two years ago, five years ago, would you have ever predicted you'd be doing something like this? I, I, I don't know. I've always loved the loved the sport, and I've, I've I've kind of always wanted to run run a club. I've I've uh, you know had a had a, an interview uh, at, or, or two with MLS clubs that didn't didn't work out, and um, you know this this one's uh, you know different in that you know it's you, you have the have the fact that you don't have things like single entity. Um, you you really have full control over your club operation and uh, and, and an abundance of talent. And if we can work through the infrastructure. And, and and some of the political issues that we have to work through here, I, I, I think the, the, the upside is that we can create one of the, the best clubs uh, in Africa again. And I think if you can create one of the best clubs in Africa with its own stadium and its own, own academy, um, you're going to be able to play with just about anybody. Well, Mark Noonan, CEO of Accra Hearts of Oak in Ghana, thanks so much for joining me. Oh, thank you, Grant. Appreciate the opportunity. Thanks for listening to the Planet Football Podcast. I'd like to thank Gary Kasparov and Mark Noonan, as well as everyone at Cadence 13 and Sports Illustrated who supports this podcast. Please, if you like the pod, tell your friends, subscribe, like, and review it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. It really does help the cause if you do. And check out the 30-minute Planet Football video show hosted by me and Luis Miguel Echegaray on SITV. That's available on Amazon, Fubo TV, and on SI.com. Recent guests include Tim Ream, Christian Fuchs, Nando Vila, and Alexi Lawless. See you next time. Do you know about the Locked On Podcast Network? The number one daily sports podcast network. Locked On has a daily podcast on every NBA and NFL team, plus a growing lineup of college and MLB teams. You get a daily bite-sized podcast giving you the latest on your team from the local experts. Lakers fans, search Locked On Lakers. Cowboys fans, search Locked On Cowboys. Just search Locked On, your favorite team, on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, or tell your smart speaker to play podcast Locked On, your favorite team. Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.